This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Astrid Stolberger, thank you for joining me in the trenches. What is the Pandemic Treaty? So what they call the Pandemic Treaty is sometimes used also as a new international instrument on pandemic preparedness and response. So they have a few different words as if they don't really know when it is a negotiating uh, procedure, but they have been talking about this treaty uh, since a year already. So if you look into the documents in WHO and in the Graduate Institute Geneva University, you can see that they have already had another report before in March um, 2021. Now, I wasn't aware of this until uh, November, uh, November 2021, where someone alerted me that there is a guide to the pandemic treaty that was done, you know, by this Global Health Center um, of the Graduate Institute of Geneva, which is a very strange institution at the University of Geneva. But it is this paper. You see if people can see it. Um, and you can find it. I can send it to you so you can post it because you cannot always find it. And it is written things you must know to help you make a decision on the pandemic treaty. And that's the first step. What sort of decision? So that's what, when you look at the document, and you look at the context first, who wrote it? It's this Institute of Graduate, uh, Graduate Institute in Geneva has been actually formed. And that's, I found that in the historical background by uh, some of the United Nations people and the University of Geneva, which was a very strange uh, unit where Kofi Annan was, w- went to school and many of the diplomats. And it, it is still not clear today if it is a university or if it is independent and with the United Nations. So it is, but the people who wrote it, because I applied actually for this director of Global Health Center uh, 10 years ago uh, of the Graduate Institute, because I knew the one who was leading it was Ilona Kikbush, who uh, was in WHO uh, since at least 30 years. And I met her in my young age when I did the Master of Science at WHO in mental health. And then uh, in the aging department as an expert, she was the head of mega cities and of the aging department. And I met her there and already she <laughs> she had an attitude, you know, in meetings like directing a very hard German core. And I, I never forgot her because she was always on my road up to a few years ago when I was an expert in WHO um, for the social determinants of health. Uh, she, um, I, I was invited to to follow a workshop on health in all policies. So this gives you a clue. She was already assigned to put health in all the departments and ministries, so that health is really um, like an octopusy, you know, with its branch. You know, you can have health in transport. You can have health in uh, education. You can have health in agriculture. You can have health in climate change. You can have health in everything. It's all encompassing. Yeah. And that's what is also in the international health regulation, this regulation that was voted in 2005, not voted, adopted. Words are very important. Adopted in 2005 after Strauss-CoV-1. And so um, in this paper of the guideline, it is very revealing where they want to go. And uh, they talk about lessons from history, a typical structure of a treaty, 
how could it be existing with IHR or not? And uh, how could it be uh, related to nations and to the constitutions? And it comes down to a, a strategic mechanism they want to put into place, which is incredible, like if they premeditated that since, sec uh, since World War II, uh, you know, when they started creating the United Nation, the only agency or specialized program of the whole United Nation family branch, it is, it is a big United Nation system. You can type in Google United Nation system and you click on image and you will have the whole show of what the United Nation is. So um, WHO is the only agency that has a constitution. And now I realize it's not by chance. The WHO constitution from 1948, just post war, is a constitution shaped with the basis of the UN Charter, and that's where they get a point because the UN Charter Charter is protecting human rights. And in this in this WHO constitution, there are articles that allow the adoption of um, emergency regulations that are important. And in from Article 19 to Article 22, we'll talk about it uh, later. So, the idea of this pandemic treaty. In the, at the end, I was looking at the legal framework is that WHO constitution basically, uh, because WHO is so good in managing uh, emergency and uh, human health security, WHO constitution is the perfect organ for managing and direct directing. And WHO is coordinating, not directing, but deciding for how to manage, monitor, prepare a, a pandemic. You know, and as we still are all, can you believe this? All the countries are still under emergency law. Like if there was a pandemic and there all is countries. no pandemic. Yeah, all the countries and member states, you know, as they call it. So you see the, you see the trick? They, they may have had a meeting and that's where it happened. And that's where it became really serious. They were just talking about it before, but they organized, uh, the second in the history of WHO, WHO meets every year at the World Health Assembly in May in Geneva and da da. But this, uh, in November, 28th of November, suddenly popped out an extraordinary World Health Assembly, you know, because of emergency and pandemic, the 75th WHA World Health Assembly, extraordinary from 28th to 1st of December to discuss a pandemic treaty or international instrument, a new international instrument. And so they decided, so you can, you know, you can follow what they say, but the most important in all those meetings is to look on one side on the agenda and of course the decisions at the end and the press communique that comes out at the end. And when you look at the press communique, which you can find, uh, look at what they say. I mean, it's scribbled, but you can really, you can read it. You see, the World Health Assembly agrees, you know, to launch process, launch process to develop historical global accord on pandemic prevention, preparedness and response. But this is exactly what the International Health Regulation of 2005 is already doing. This instrument that is already an obligation, I think I showed it to you, I'm not sure, you know, this IHR. This was in 2005 from WHO, 
it, it was, um, I was uh, involved in the training of countries with that for three years. And this is already an obligation to, uh, to do exactly the same, so, even, even more. So what are they so, doing? Why are they, well, why are they repeating prevent- themselves? Yeah, so for me, it's absolutely clear. We, the, the IHR was adopted through the mechanism of WHO constitution. It was a big point, a question point already at that time when we were training the lawyers, we were, we were always questioning, how did you manage to adopt so quickly? And the adoption was through the WHO constitution, Article 21. With the other articles, 1920 and 22 are the procedure of vote. You can go and look at it. But so, so that's very important. So what they're doing now is exactly the same. They have adopted and agreed, agreed, you know, the majority of countries have agreed to launch the process, which is not very clear exactly, you know, the procedure uh, on 1st of December 2021, um, you know, to negotiate a convention agreement or other international instrument under the constitution of the World Health Organization. So basically, in this document of the guideline, they say, they give much more clues of their intention. The WHO constitution will be the global constitution of the world. It will no longer um, be uh, recognized that the national constitution hold any power to manage, monitor, respond, prepare a pandemic, and the horrible epidemic and law on emergencies that all the wait, countries have been. Wait, wait, wait. So hold on, I'm interrupting you, but I just want to, the WHO will override, let's say, my country's um, decision on how to handle the next pandemic. Right, exact. This means that uh, it, there is a centralization of power uh, to WHO. Wow. And, um, a delegation from member states that their constitution is in the hands of WHO constitution. And it seems they have put, uh, you know, if you look at every country, it has been worked up on since 10, 15, 20 years, that every country has built a kind of a law of emergency, a law of epidemics in Switzerland, for example. And in the constitution, they have added a law that um, the national constitution is superseded by international law when there is a special case of emergency and national security and international health security. So. There is a mechanism almost everywhere that has allowed this to happen. And this is appalling because, of course, they, they are never very clear, but they always put the wrong values and they reverse the values that the global health architecture to promote health and well-being of, of, of people, uh, vital mission can only be held by WHO, who knows it all and the others don't know. And it's, of course, there are many flaws in the global uh, system to protect people from p- pandemic. The, the most vulnerable people uh, are going without the vaccine. You see, the health workers without needed equipment to perform life-saving work to access vaccine. And um, they have to make order in all this. And that's why WHO has to take power and make a system of global <laughs> Solidarity is needed to deal with the global threat and WHO knows it all and can do it. So they call it, and you see, it's very perverse, really. That sounds (laughs) very dangerous. Very, very. Because what they're doing now is a consultation in this paper of the Guide to Pandemic. 
they say, and I had already noted that and underlined in other podcasts, they noted that there will be public hearings of civil society with an intergovernmental, um, how they call it, intergovernmental negotiating body where they have put not only the um, member states, but they have invited the private sector. Of course, Gavi, who is leading the vaccine plan of WHO since 2012. Gates. But, um, Yes, Bill Gates has is clearly since 2012. Um, he has uh, it's in the papers in WHO. You have to look into that. But um, there is a global plan, vaccine plan, from 2012 to 2020, where the WHO has given um, the leadership to Gavi, the Global Alliance for Vaccine, because they know. You see, so it was already embedded. And in, um, it's already there that Gavi is the second um, biggest funder of WHO after the US. Uh, so they have built this decade of vaccine. <laughs> the, then they have built a 2012 plan for until 2020, just so to start off the pandemic. And now they're talking of the world together. So under ideals of the world together, being in solidarity and everybody has access to health, they are actually want to create this perpetual pandemic system where only WHO knows what to do. It's <laughs> you know, global governance. It's the tyranny, organized tyranny under velvet and a golden cage. You know, it's, it's, a, like yeah, it's, a, it's a form of global governance, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is a centralized global government, but we didn't know how they were going to do it. And they are using health in all policies to create this global governance with the international health regulation, which was already very clearly a human security, um, a health security, national security uh, instrument with an obligation from member states to um, adopt you know certain uh, principles and and um, protocols for boats for security of uh, um, transport but what they forget you, so so this I want to finish with that and then I will tell you about the statement I did um, because they forget human rights because in the articles there are some human right components that have not been respected up to today okay so this in 1st of December, this uh, declaration from Tedros Ghebreyesus, the director general of WHO, who is not a doctor and was in Gavi board, you know, for a few years before he was appointed. So you see where he comes from. Um, well, um, the, in, in this 1st of December, they say that Article 19 of the WHO Constitution provides the WHO with the authority to adopt conventions or agreements on any matter within WHO competency. The sole instrument established under Article 19 to date is a WHO framework for convention of tobacco control. So you can look at the model in that. And they say it made a rapid contribution to protect people from tobacco. So now they want to protect people from pandemic with the vaccine. It's clear. The plan is clear. And we now know that it's not a vaccine, it's a trial. We know now that it is, doesn't help, it doesn't heal, it doesn't make you better, it actually makes you worse. It is the recontaminant and the people are in danger and at risk at each jab, they, they are getting worse, feeling you know worse and worse and they don't belong to themselves anymore. They belong to those patents. So there is a whole, it's coming out, but what is more dangerous now 
is that they want to keep on this tyranny through the UN system, which is really this big octopusy kraken, you know, having hand on all the departments in the world and all this corruption organized it since a long time. So from the 1st of December 2021, they announced that under this decision, so you see they said the decision adopted today, and that when you look at the word, it is a decision of an adoption. And that's where it rings a bell. And I always said, oh, that means that we have to react quickly. And they say the INB, so they already had uh, talked about this international negotiating body, which has private sector, will hold its first meeting before 1st of March, which they did, 2022. But I looked into that and the only thing that I can say is that maybe they did not have enough votes because the EU adopted uh, this decision only on the 28th uh, or 1st of March. So it seems like to have a majority, they had to maybe wait until then. And this is to check for lawyers. Um, then they say that 1st of March, until 1st of March, they have to agree on ways of working and timelines. And in the second uh, meeting that comes up on 1st of August, 2022, they will discuss progress of the working draft. So it, you see, when you see this, oh yeah, and I'll finish, so, so people have the timeline. Then they will also hold public hearings to inform its deliberation, deliver a progress report. Yeah, the hearing to inform the, its deliberations, but it's not to inform, public hearing is also to, to react. Okay, and then they will deliver a progress report in 2023, probably may, but they can still, you know, act before a report at the 67, no, 76 World Health Assembly, and then submit its outcome and final document on 77th World Health Assembly in 2024. So if knowing the UN system, if you have to look always at um, a few things, first, the adoption, especially through the WHO constitution, um, has a timeline of implementation or, yeah, they call it implementation or finalization of this adoption, which is normally 18 months, which was done for the international health regulation. So it, within 18 months, and it corresponds to uh, one year and a half. So it is from 21 to 22 to May, 2023, they should have sealed the deal completely. But in 2024, it will be entered into force, uh, maybe before. But so that's one thing in the UN that once they adopt, um, the it can take some time until it is totally and fully uh, put in place. But it is already, and it is said in this uh, treaty, uh, this uh, guideline to treaty, I say that, put it again, it is said at the end that once the adoption of the process is done, they can already act uh, as if it is there and they can already put in place the mechanism, every country. And that was alarming. Astrid, can, so that, that, can, can, a, can a country turn down joining the treaty? Okay, so now that's the interesting point. In, in Article 20, uh, of this WHO constitution and look at different 
you know, versions because some have footnotes and some don't have footnotes. And the footnotes are extremely important. So they talk about this 18 months uh, for the full adoption um, in Article 20. But the most important, with the majority of vote, which they have, you know, they say they have uh, adopted, they have uh, constituted, but we have absolutely no proof of, you know, who controls the vote of WHO, you know, really. <laughs> anyway, so in, um, um, so that that's the first vote. Uh, where was I going? <laughs> uh, it's a very complicated process. Uh, so the so that that's when the the Article 20, 20, uh, 20 is. Article twenty two is saying how you can oppose. Article twenty also, but Article twenty two is very interesting. The because both of them say that a country can a member state can oppose a decision within a framework, um, but in 2022 footnote A, they mention six months since the adoption in the footnote. But in 20, they talk of 18 months of you know implementation. So they are mixing up and taking off a footnote that is essential. How, how do I know this? <laughs> it's because I have um, whistleblowers, alerters who are following this, and a Swiss person um, has sent me the year, no, two, two days ago, she has alerted me to the footnote that is in the WHO constitution in the official FedLex website, is the federal legal website for official papers. And the WHO constitution there has all the footnotes and there is a footnote on 22, article 22 with A, you have to oppose six months after before the six months of adoption, which would correspond to 1st of June 2022. So you you can oppose as a country. And this is the a very small framework. So that is for countries knowing what we know, right? Mm. <laughs> South Africa. Yeah. Is, is South Africa a country? <laughs> yes. Uh, who does South Africa? Um, and our know, president uh, is very much part of Davos. Yes, and, and you remember it is registered as an enterprise in New York. Mm. So are all the states and member states that are, uh, you know, Switzerland has registered twice as a company, once in 1993 as the Confederation, and in after the vote we refused for joining Europe, and once in um, 2014 uh, as the Switzerland. <laughs> so <laughs> our country, if our country is not representative of us as citizen, we can consider that we are the member, uh, we are the country, we are uh, the constitution of our current country and we could oppose in the name. That, that's my argumentation that I'm discussing with lawyers that we have to take this, this breach that they have registered as a company uh, the say that they don't represent us, so we are representing ourselves and we oppose as uh, members of uh, uh, this constitution that is uh, our national constitution. That's the first thing. But the other thing that we have to be really very clear about is, well, should we pull out from WHO and ask that since this decision has been taken, not only do we oppose to um, this treaty to any new instrument, but also to any new governance of WHO globalized um, 
yeah, centralized, standardized way of managing an epidemic, which is never seen in humanity at that scale, and that we oppose from now on and pull out and consider that WHO is no, and maybe even the UN is temporarily or definitely uh, not um, a friend. our government or, you know, something like that, because they're not a friend either. Yeah. You, you remember Trump mm. pulled out. Yeah. And then President Biden overturned Trump. that. Yeah. So if we take the scenario that he's still a president because he has never resigned really officially, uh, the, uh, the United States is it, might not be threatened by this because he pulled out very smartly. And I think Russia is considering pulling out from WHO. I don't know if they did that, but that's government level. No, we, we are not with governments anymore. They have proven, you know, their crime. So we could also use that, that they have been lying, that, the, you know, all the scandals in the U.S. are coming out this week, I think very soon. We could use that before 1st of June to really oppose groups representing people and asking people to join them can do that. Many groups, not only one or the other. And then we can all join. join. So that, that's my proposal to, to oppose. How do you oppose as a group or as a person with a group? You have to write a formal letter uh, signed by one representing or many and make putting in. I would I would put it on the web and put, you know, your 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 website and just say uh, all the signatures of opposing and wanting to pull out can sign here on my website and they can align and you could use that and send that. Um, to the director, you have to do in Article 20, it's written, you have to send your opposition to the director general of WHO. And anything you decide, you have to send to him and you have to send to the secretary general if you pull out of WHO, because he is the dad. You know, the secretary general is the dad or the granddad of the United Nations family and the, and the WHO agency. So you can do that. And you write uh, to WHO and that, and you also write to the government in copy, or you can, because if you consider them no more as a, as a government, you could write, we don't consider you anymore as, as our representative because of this, this, that, the motives, you have to put motives. So you have to put motives why you pull out of WHO, motives why you oppose, and then um, to your country, Minister of Health, which is responsible, and your president which you don't. So it is a very interesting um, mechanism happening now uh, for civil society, because we can maybe, you know, take our sovereignty back, our global sovereignty, but also as citizens. So I would do that for you. <laughs> but also, so what can civil society do? They talked of a global hearing. Public, they will also hold a public hearing, public hearings, to inform its deliberation. So that's not right because public hearings is usually that you can give your opinion. So, so if we talk about that, what happened is I was alerted last minute yesterday um, uh, by Terry from the World Health Council that, and, and other people, uh, you know, for, for international that we only have had five days, five days as NGOs and as public uh, civil servants to react orally, you know, by a video of two minutes <laughs> or written with an abstract, a summary of 250 words. So 
I, when I saw that, I jumped on my computer. It was one, I had one hour <laughs> to, to, to write this abstract, uh, to oppose, uh, no, to, so what they, what they said. Uh, so you, public hearings regarding a new international instrument on pandemic preparedness and response, you have oral component and written component. And they say that written or oral contribution to the first round of public hearings. So there is a second. <laughs> so we have to catch that one. It's on 16th and 17th of June. So the first round is was the last three, four, five days. The first round of public hearings should respond to the guiding question, which is, that's really funny. It's they don't ask you your opinion. They ask what substantive elements do you think should be included in a new international instrument on pandemic preparedness and response? So just this question shows where they want to go. They want to erase this international health regulation, which has human rights component, and they want to impose this new governance, global, we are all together, the world together, <laughs> they're just missing a song. Okay. They are forgetting to mention this international health regulation, this one. Mm. So let's remind them. And so I started by saying that this international health regulation was adopted unanimously by 196 countries, yeah. 94 plus two observers, the Vatican and Liechtenstein. Uh, on the 28th World Health Assembly in May 2005, and it entered into force on June 2007. So you see that there was uh, almost two years for the process. So it resembles what we're living. That's why I put it. And this ICHAR is a legally binding international instrument. And I said that this ICHAR, because I was teaching this human right component, so the ICHAR 2005 is marked by a strong human right component based on existing United Nations international instruments. And for example, from the Office of High Commission of Human Rights, the Human Rights Commission, from the ECOSOC, from the Right to Health, etc. You know, and also from um, this commitment, it's marked by the commitment to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and United Nations Universal Charter, because this Universal uh, Declaration on Human Rights of the UN is very interesting. It gives you all the rights of a constitution of a that your constitution respect your freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of this. So go and look at that and use that in your letter. That mm. you 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 know there are some instruments that are good, and mm. you pull down the tyranny they're trying to put with one instrument so after that i just reminded that this ihr purpose it is much better than what they're saying it is to prevent protect against and control and provide public health response to international spread of disease in ways that are commensurate with and restricted to public health risks and which avoid unnecessary interference with international traffic and trade and you see this is the point of ihr which is a breach they have not respected the interference should have been protected and the human rights should have been protected. In particular, there are some articles that I mentioned, I made three points that they have, I recommend that their substantive, how do they call this? Uh, what substantive elements do you think should be included? <laughs> I say that the substantive element are three, to strengthen the international health regulation, 
set of respect to human rights uh, that we don't need another treaty because it is already there and we just need to strengthen this human rights uh, and this especially uh, articles that are, for example, 31 are health measures relating to entry of travelers. You have no right to force someone uh, to give a test to do this. Uh, Article 45 is treatment of personal data. All personal data should be confidential. You shouldn't, you know, show your PCR test to everybody. This is an, a breach in confidentiality and medical data. And then uh, there are other articles, uh, you know, that are very interesting uh, for travelers and and you cannot confine people like this and like they did. And it's all a breach. So that and then there is there are a whole set in this IHR articles on citizens freedom of movement and travel that nobody's talking about. Um, and it's articles 18 to 23 for those who are interested. So we should put to strengthen this, but also to put measures against violation of those rights when unnecessary. So they, I'm, I'm suggesting that they address the violation of human rights they have done. <laughs> and the second and third. But well, they're not going to do that, are they? No, but you see, we it's like a legal fight. It's an information mm. war and it is a legal war. And, and the lawyers are lost because the international UN law is very specific and, and very special. There are not many specialists of the mechanism, and I don't hear any voices opposing. So I know there are some, but they probably are, you know, banned or censored and mm. they cannot move. And they, they have not taught these articles. We, I did exercises on that. I was <laughs> taking the member uh, countries and their epidemiologists and um, officers, and I was doing an exercise that's very interesting. I I had um, <laughs> I, I showed a film in the evening uh, called Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman, and uh, once I I did with Contagion, but it's such a horrible film it doesn't go. But with Outbreak, and I did a, a grid like that. You see, I I even have it now. Every student had to make look at the principles of the Articles on Human Rights and look where IHR measures are reinforced in this film, are reinforcing human rights, and where the elements of this film are limiting human rights and even violating human rights. Mm. So you can do the exercise yourself on Outbreak, and you will see that they um, they actually imposed in the Outbreak film the Syracuse principle, where, and that's another danger, is that the Syracuse principle allows a country to take over uh, on citizen with the military. Which means in, what? In, uh, it means that when there is a national health security threat, you can take over the country with the army. So you imagine this at the global level. Right. So if they get the global commands of a global tyranny of not IHR, but they're what they want to do, you know, impose the diagnostics, the, the definitions, false, um, it's all in Article 21, the definition that are false, uh, uh, the, the products, the commercial products that they want to sell to treat people and the vaccines and, and that they can even decide about the marketing. Uh, you, you, can you imagine? They, they have the Syracuse principle. Mm. They say, oh, Syracuse principle, we can send the military and that's it. That's, that's, that's the end. There so is it's martial that. law. It's martial law. And it's mm. the bioweapons can just fly. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I just want to mention the two last points that oh, I put sure. in my yes, app. yes. Yeah, because it's important so people can work on it. So the first is the human rights and the dimension. The second is to strengthen science um, and research ethical legal obligations, because we see that, you know, the, the key points of ethical research has been systematically, you know, uh, fraudulently uh, ignored, not even ignored, but, but um, <laughs> it's exactly the opposite. They did not do uh, an informed consent. They did a disinformation and misinformation consent. So this, there are many, many legal uh, research uh, ethics from uh, no, no conflict of interest and no people, uh, you know, uh, paying for the study that are doing the study. Mm. But I put it, it's in line with four instruments that are very important in um, ethics. It's the Oviedo a convention of uh, biomedicine research. It's based European, but it is signed by many other countries in the world uh, in 1997. The Belmont Report of 1979, the Declaration of Helsinki of 1964, and the Nuremberg Code of 1946 that protect from the what we have just seen in front of us for the last two years. Then the third one, and the right to refuse any experiment and etc. So third is to add, and this is very important Jeremy you know if you can do something about this is to add a legal limitation to the use of technology and artificial intelligence systems for emergency management and monitoring at the global and local level the validation of any human-centered technology cannot be standardized with personalized medicine and cultural contexts this is the big danger is that the systems of systems command is going to be artificial intelligence, robotic and technology uh, deciding for uh, how sick you are, uh, diagnostic that how, di you know, whatever variant you have and for impulsing, um, you know, we, a lot of people say it's an irradiation, severe irradiation, COVID-19 with the 5G and the Wi-Fi system and the phones. This, not many are looking at this from a political, global level the system of system i'm an expert in innovation in the eu and when i see more and more of those uh, researchers are systems of systems to uh help old people at home because i mean the aging expert and it's awful they, they have no command and then suddenly a little startup comes and they decide about the diagnostic last year i refused three researchers like that i was fighting just so they don't get funded <laughs> so that's that's what I wanted to say. So, okay. So, you were asking, concluding. Yeah. So, where do we go? Well, the good thing is that we know about it in time. The good thing is that this is also waking up a whole set of people that did not see it coming at the international level. Um, I don't know, you know, at what point this war, invisible, visible war, um is using this to show to people to take back their sovereignty because everything is there so that we say no we say we want to get out of the system for the moment uh it is ideally nice to have a united nations system because i was there with a lot of idealism i thought it was fantastic you know we joined for the best but now with horror i see the sustainable development goal is going into a tyranny in the United Nation with climate change, uh, lied 
uh, with what is going on now with the, this treaty. So it is, it's a great call to say no to everything, say no, we, we, we refuse, um, and to create another system. But the number one emergency is is to get people to react quickly. And I hope you can do that, you know, with, with um, your, your, your podcast and, and your website to alert people. And I will always, you know, send people there to you. You could do it for South Africa, but you could also do it for the African region. Because WHO is uh, split in regions. So you could, I'm just thinking about it now. You know, the Afro center is in, in Cairo, but if nobody reacts, you might as well offer to everybody in Africa to, to join and, and, and to sign and they put their country and then, you know, you could send for the African Union or African um, WHO region. And as there is also power for Latin America and the Americas, uh, there is also EMRO for the the Middle East, and then there is for the Asian countries, and then for the Euro. But you see what is going on. It's like um, little lights coming together more and more. It's growing and growing, mm. and I see a change with enthusiasm that um, more and more people are are coming together, and 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 the card game is pulling down slowly. You see that the influence of the media is a little bit less. They start to say the truth sometimes. Um, people are waking up with Ukraine. So maybe everything is done so that we join in a different level. You see, that's also a layer. Yeah. Astrid Sogelberger, thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com. 